Really, that was not bad. Even I was a little impressed. Yeah, right? Uh, good morning, everybody. I think I'm actually a little too loud, Alan, just a little bit down, a little bit uh, right about there. Is that good? That sounds pretty good. Uh, yeah. All right. So, um, actually, Alan, a little higher. A little higher. Uh, I, hate to, I hate to have to work hard. There we go. Perfect. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, good morning. A uh, reminder that week after this week, there will be no classes during the weekdays. So, that's uh, September 27th, 28th, and 29th. We'll have class the Sunday before. That's next Sunday and then the following Sunday. And then we'll be back on schedule. Uh, I forgot to post it on the website, but I'll do that today. Uh, we're doing a wedding for Joey McCabe in Washington, D.C. So should be a hoot. Yeah, looking forward to that. Um, yes. Right. No Zoom meeting that week. Right. This Friday's the wedding, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <coughs> Right, and I'll, I'll post that as well. Thank you, hon. Uh, also, we're going to hear from uh, uh, Keith this morning. Keith Bachhan. <laughs> Sorry. We're, we're having some fun with his last name. Apparently, loosely translated in German, it means mountain chicken. <laughs> so, I'm sorry, Keith. I can't help it. I can't, help, I can't resist it. It's just too, it's too good. So, uh, like, Shagru in Gaelic means red hawk. Uh, we're kind of, you know, you're a chicken, I'm a hawk. Chicken hawk. It works. On some level it works. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, we're both birds. More like turds, really. Um, so, uh, the, as I was reading um, this morning, and the Gospel of Mark, the Lord enters the temple on the last week of his life, of his first um, advent, and he cleanses the temple. He throws everybody out who is buying and selling. And <clears throat> this is just a few days before he dies. He did it at the beginning of his ministry, and then he does it at the end here. And he, he says, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. And it made me think about us and our gathering. Um, the temple was a place of prayer and worship of God, uh, and it was not to be for anything else. Maggie, take a seat. Thank you. The, uh, the temple was to be a place of prayer and worship of God, and the same is true of the church of here. It's a place of worship, and it's a place of prayer, a place of learning. When we learn, we worship God when we're concentrating and desiring to learn. We come, to the, we come together for that purpose. And we thank Him. We sing together. Uh, and the reason why I bring this up is not because we're ever going to sell. We have never sold anything here or, or bought anything. Uh, and that will never be an issue. 
But what can happen to any church is uh, that we become familiar with it and then church becomes stale. And that can happen anywhere. And one of the things that brought it to mind is I've lately read quite a bit about the Pentecostal movement or the charismatic movement. I'm not going to speak in tongues anytime soon. But one thing that that movement brought uh, was a a deviation from uh, a stale sort of uh, worship of God. And, of course, in some cases it went way too far with that. But going too far with something doesn't mean that um, it's somewhat going down that path is not wrong. Joy over God and his word. Joy over God and his people and the gift of the local church. There's many who listen to us online who would love to be here with us. There's a lot of them out there and they they would love to be here. Not that they want to move to Oregon, I'm not saying that. But just to be able to gather with us. Um, And they they consider it a great privilege if they could. And so our joy over God and his people and our church has to come from the heart. Uh, whether we have a 10-piece band to get us going, as some churches do. Uh, we, have, we don't even have a stage, never mind a band, but uh, we can so easily get into ruts, and we do this. And by nature, ruts slowly drag us down deeper and deeper into ourselves and the mundane misery and boredom that results from it. So one of the keys to breaking that trend is prayer. I'm going to start that today. So, one of the things we're going to look at today, and we're going to be in the Psalms all morning, is Psalm 100. And this was in today's reading too, which, you know, I take it as a sign from God. In Psalm 100, it says, the Psalm of Thanksgiving, that's the title. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. Be careful of falling into routines that become ruts, that become staleness. It's very easy for us to do. And prayer is a key here. Keep in contact with God and when you, I mean consistently, and when you find yourself falling into those ruts, you will, you will discover it. And by talking to Him, you'll find the way out. So let's open up in prayer. Let's thank God for our time together. Let's make sure that our hearts are in the right place with gladness before God, knowing that He made us, not we ourselves, and therefore we were all made with a purpose. Uh, So let's bow our heads and pray. Our Father in heaven, you are holy, righteous, and just. The purity of your holiness, and seen by us, though we can't see it all, is 
<clears throat> is something that makes us fearful, but then your grace overcomes that fear and leads us to you in worship, joyful worship because of all of you've done for us. Your very certain future of your kingdom, your will that will be done is certain, and we are a part of that kingdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for him and his salvation. We thank you that you, by your grace and love, have provided that to us without cost. And therefore, Father, by grace are we saved, and by grace can we call you our Father. And as you call us to your holiness, Father, we <coughs> stumble, <coughs> excuse me, stumble along the way, stumble to understand, we reach to see. By your grace we can see. You lead us to go on. You lead us to learn. And you give us, through your Spirit, the power and the wisdom to execute that which you have called us to. It all depends upon you and on us, our faith and volition. And so, Father, as we choose to gather together and worship you and hear of you and sing to you, we ask that your Spirit would bless our gathering and to give us all great joy. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. All rise, please.
As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sisters, let's go down. Let's go down. Come on down. Oh, sisters, let's go down. Down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, brothers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down, come on, brothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, fathers, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, fathers, let's go down, down in the river to I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, mothers, let's go down, come on down, don't you want to go down? Come on, mothers, let's go down, down in the river to pray. As I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the starry crown? Good Lord, show me the way. Oh, sinners, let's go down, let's go down, come on down. Oh, sinners, let's go down, down in the river to pray. I went down in the river to pray, studying about that good old way, and who shall wear the robe and crown? Good Lord, show me the Good morning. No thanks. That's what the young man told Peter as he was participating in a middle school distribution in Gresham, Oregon. This one student started to walk by, and Peter asked him if he would like a free New Testament. The young man said, no thanks. You gave me one last year. I didn't want it, so I left it on the coffee table in the front room. When my dad got home, he saw and asked, what's this? The young man told his father where he got it. The dad started reading it, and when he got to the back page, 
he gave his life to Jesus. He gave it to his wife, told her that she needed to read it. She did. When she got to the back page, she gave her life to Christ. Now, the mom and dad went to the son and said, you need to read this. And he did. And when he got to the back page, he gave his life to Christ. His sister even got saved as a result of all this. One Bible, four people. I guess our school distributions work. Thomas was a patient in a New Jersey hospital. He saw his roommate's Gideon Bible and asked if he could read it. As he read it, Thomas found new meaning to keep living. He's now married, and they have a daughter. Thomas is still in and out of the hospital due to his ongoing illness, but thanks to a Gideon Bible, he's walking close to the Lord and is a living inspiration to his family and others around him. So I guess our hospital distributions work too. In 2002, Max was an inmate of the Broward County Jail on the seventh floor. A Gideon by the name of Don was assigned to the seventh floor. From 2002 to 2006, Don visited Max every other week and gave him our daily bread and a Bible study course which Max completed. In one of their discussions, Max told Don that he had been born in Denmark and never in his life gone to church. I had to come to America, Max confessed, and find myself in the Broward County Jail in order to find the Lord. Now, when Max, Max's trial finally came, he was vindicated of all charges. And in January of 2009, Max was once again assigned to the Broward County Jail on the seventh floor. But this time is a Gideon. <laughs> so I guess our jail distributions work too. I can go on and on and give you many, many more examples of testimonies like this. Even from the Philippines, Cambodia, Venezuela, Russia, and other parts of the world. We still give over one million Bibles every year in India. The Gideon's outreach is only successful because of financial support we receive from the concerned Christians like you. It only costs about $1.35 to print one of these New Testaments. We purchase them from our own print shop in cases of 100 each. Now, in a typical school distribution, we'll give away four to 600 Bibles in about 30 minutes. Yeah, well... They want to go home. They're, they're booking. <laughs> now, your initial obligation is to support your church here. We never want to take away from that. All of our overhead and operating expenses are taken care of by our members' yearly dues so that everything that you give, every dollar, goes to buy scriptures. Joe's got the inserts. <laughs> You can even give with credit cards if you want. 
Now, a friend and an elder in another church once told me, never be ashamed to ask God's people for God's money to do God's work. The Gideons were founded in 1899 by a small group of business salesmen to serve as an extended outreach of the church. It's the oldest association of Christian businessmen in the United States. In Mark 16:15, we are directed to go into all the world. Today, the Gideons are organized in over 200 countries around the globe. We print our own Bibles and New Testaments for distribution by our Gideons in over 95 languages. Through God's grace and to His glory, over 2 billion, that's a B billion, Bibles and New Testaments have been placed by the Gideons. And the work continues. With every beat of your heart, at least two scriptures are given away. Every day, every minute, every hour. Now these little testaments have helps in the front, and I like to say GPS in the back. God's plan of salvation. This is steps to salvation. And there's even a place to sign and date it in the back for future reference. In my considered opinion, your pastor has the greatest and most important calling in the world. And that's to lead a flock of believers. That was never my calling. But I was led to become a Gideon, and I think that might be the next best thing. Some to sow the seed, some to water, some to nourish, others to reap the harvest. Isaiah 55, 10, and 11 tells us that God's word will not return to us void. And that's why we give away Bibles. They estimate that one out of eight Bibles results and a loss and a saved soul. Thank you, Pastor Joe, for allowing me to speak this morning and to share a little bit so that others may know what the Gideons do. If you have any questions, you know where to find me. I, for one, did not fully comprehend the uh, significance of that, of the group that you're a member of, of the Gideons. Um, I remember as a kid finding them in the the hotel rooms whenever we stayed in hotels, but uh, that was like the extent of my knowledge. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Um, It's amazing to me that in a world that is so anti-God that his word just continues to go everywhere. It can't be stopped, and it's just as God said. Um, 
it just it can't be stopped. And so uh, for us, we're going to stay in the Psalms. So if you find somewhere in the Psalms, you'll be good for the rest of the class. All you have to do is be able to follow the numbers. Um, and uh, this morning, we're going to start our journey of prayer. Uh, and this uh, the doctrine itself for me is uh, shaping up uh, in a way. It's definitely is not as I expect. It never is. Uh, but as it's developed here uh, before me, I, I can tell you that it's that prayer is an integral part of your relationship with God. And it goes hand in hand with your understanding of him. So if you've been listening for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the fact that the main part of the ministry of God the Holy Spirit to us is mentioned by Jesus in John 16, where he said, I'm going to send the Spirit to you. He told them, I am leaving you, and I'm sending you another helper. And he said, he's going to glorify me. So the role of the Holy Spirit during the church is to glorify Jesus Christ. And then he tells us how. He says he's going to take of mine and disclose it to you. And that's how the Lord's going to be glorified. Is when, And that word disclose means to proclaim. right? So it's just like we hear Keith this morning doing what? Proclaiming the success uh, of a, a ministry that started over 100 years ago. And what, you know, why is it successful? Because it's proclaiming that which is true. And that's what the Spirit is doing in each one of us. And as we looked at, you know, we have to know what he's saying. And what he's saying comes from the Word of God, not outside the Word of God. And this is intricately tied to prayer. Because we pray in the Spirit. Right? That, that's exactly how Paul wrote it. In Ephesians 6, pray continually in the Spirit. And so what is the Spirit revealing? God's Word. What are we talking to God about? What are we hearing back? Where all our answers come from? God's Word. Now, I know that things that we pray for are not particularly, you know, you ask, you know, God, what decision should I make? I have options, which way should I go? Uh, I have a problem, a particular flaw, a particular addiction, a particular whatever, and I'm asking him for deliverance. How is that deliverance going to come? When is it going to come? And those things particularly are not addressed in the Scripture. But the answer is always based on the Scripture. Always. If we have options and we pray to God to open up doors, if one of those doors that we choose is not based on truth and virtue and goodness and faith and holiness and righteousness, we pick the wrong door. You know, you didn't that wasn't a sign, that wasn't a message from God. The answers, what we speak to him, is all based on what is revealed in the scripture. And uh, and that ties to the ministry of God the Holy Spirit. So as the Spirit is revealing to us the Word, 
We're talking to the Father about things that concern the Word, and we're hearing back from Him in the marvelous supernatural way He can do it based on the Word. And everything centers around this revelation that God has given to mankind. And so how important is it that we know the Word of God? It's the basis of everything. So, but also, you know, we could be complete academics and, and be, have these stale lives that really have no walk with God, experience with God, no overcoming our problems and difficulties, and no victory, but we know a lot about the Word of God. So there's a disconnect there, and the way that you can heal these various disconnects when they come up is through prayer. You know, if you desire to live as God has called us to live, which is incredible, this holiness, you know, the more I see of it, the more I'm scared of it. <laughs> you know, it, like if you have glimpsed it and lived it, at least it's somewhat, like there's been a change in you in which, whereas before... Your, say your lifestyle was of a certain way that you were okay with. It's, it worked. But now years later, hey, it could be even months later, if you've had along the way one of those aha moments with God and you've seen more clearly who He is and what holiness and righteousness is and you have walked that path, well, if you've done this, you find out Going back to the old paths are no longer, they're not good enough anymore. But we do it. You know, none of us find the, 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 you know, the, the path of holiness and stay on it, do we? <laughs> if you do, God bless you. Uh, but we get on these paths and we walk for a bit and then we usually fall. And we end up looking around in the old paths that in the past they were good enough, but no longer. And what is God telling you? I'm no longer allowing you to stay on the old paths. I mean, it had some of my path in it and it had some of your path, but that's no longer viable. I'm calling you higher. And if you're like me, in all honesty, I am like God. I mean, I don't come right out and tell him this, but in my heart, I think I say, I don't, I don't want to. Can I have the old path back? You know, it was, com- it was more comfortable, but he says no. And, and therefore, you know, we, we're called to grow. He forces us to grow. Do you see in that, in just in that scenario, how God forces us to grow? And, you know, it, the, old, the old ways aren't just, they're not good enough. And in his supernatural way, he's pushed you on. So how are you going to cope with it? Because you've got to do it with joy, eventually. I'd say well, if you're walking the right path grudgingly, stay on it. This whole motivation thing, I used to be into, well, you know, I'm not rightly motivated, so I don't get any credit in heaven, so why bother? <laughs> And it was wonderful justification for me to say, you know, I'm not really properly motivated yet, so why? 
And it was what? I, I mean, my whole motivation was me. Um, yeah. Stay on it. Stay on it. Force yourself, <laughs> as we'll see in prayer. It, should you just pray when you feel like it? Ah, right? When do you get around to it when you just pray when you feel like it? Right, like at dinner time? You know, I don't know. When you're praying for your food? So, uh, when you're praying, you know, and we're just gonna we're just gonna start with things that prayer are about, and then we'll get into method and you know practice because all things are needed. But first is theology. I know it's a word that jazzes you, right? Theology. I can't. You know, you just get excited, but. And in fact, you should, because theology is taking the scripture and learning it and categorizing it in the compartments of truth that it's revealing to us. And, you know, theology differs from place to place, right? If you go to a Calvinistic seminary or evangelistic seminary, their theology course is going to be slightly different. I say slightly, though. It's not a huge difference. The, the differences in theology that come from people who truly want to know the Word of God are only in the areas where we're not everything is revealed. It's the only place that they differ. In some cases, that difference is, is, is pushed too far. I mean, for the most part, all of us should say, look, if we don't know it yet, just admit it. Just say, I don't know the answer. That's fine. If uh, you will know the answer. God said, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. So just be patient. You'll learn and will learn. But in this, in, in the, the, first off, the, the theology of prayer is that what I speak with to God and what I hear back from God in this conversation, this is what it is, is that it's completely based on Scripture, not outside Scripture. So, say I'm a young man and I say, God, I, I don't know who to marry. Let's say I have options, I guess. I don't know, that sounds weird. But uh, let's say I, I don't know if I should marry this girl. So, I'm going to say, God, reveal it to me. And I know somebody who's done this. Reveal it to me. And then, in this particular case, this person got a phone call from somebody a few hours later that seemed like a sign, and they went for it, and they were divorced a year later, unfortunately. Um, yeah, it wasn't a sign. Do you know why? The, this signs is divination. It's not in the Scripture. So does God tell me in the Scripture who to marry? Uh, nope. Is He going to send me a sign? Nope. He's going to require that the one that you marry, you settle on your, that's your right one, and that you behave and act and conduct yourself in the manner of the Scripture as a husband and a wife. So where's my answer? It's right there in the Scripture. So God's not going to shine a, a floodlight on the one that you should marry, but you should be able to look into their soul and say, are they going to fulfill the role? that the Scripture says, and you can't know for sure, but at least that's what you should be looking for. See, the answer is what God is communicating is here. It's in the book. 
And so this uh, prayer is both at a communication and an encounter with God concerning many things. Many things. Uh, and it, prayer is, as we'll, we'll see, is it really defies a definition. It's impossible to define because it's made up of so many things. It's like defining a relationship. Because that's what prayer is. It is the communication end of your relationship with God. And that relationship, just like in any human relationship, is made up of you know, how, how many things? Like how many things go into it? And there's much. The thing about this is this encounter and this communication, as you will find as you grow, is with someone who is supremely holy. You know, I know holiness is a word that either you are or you're not, right? It's holiness is is an act of goodness and righteousness, justice, and so on. It is the function of God in his essence. Uh, and to behold that, right? Remember, as God said to Moses, if you see my face, you die. Well, now we're looking into it. And you're looking into something that, from our perspective, is so bright and so perfect and so wonderful and I'm not. None of us are. We compare it with it's what mankind does. It's really quite silly. It's why Jesus said, "Don't compare with each other." Why? Because you're all way down there. As I, I remember this from I forget who said it. It was years and years ago. It's like one dog turd saying to another, "I don't smell as bad as you do." <laughs> That's the human race in competition with one another. So, and yeah, I mean, there's, there's various things. Obviously, a man like the Apostle Paul is better than someone who's you know, an, un, an unbeliever, of course. I mean, there's degrees that we have to be aware of, but we're, we're not talking about that. We're talking about us from where we are, from our platform, Getting into the inner room and speaking with someone who is incredibly, perfectly, eternally, without boundaries, perfect, holy, righteous. And we're in the presence of that. So is prayer an ecstatic experience? Is it a calm contemplation of God? Is it a wonderful understanding and thankfulness for God's glory and love? Is it intercession for dear friends and loved ones? Is it intercession for enemies? Is it intercession for great needs of those that you know need help and your own needs? Is it petition for the things that we need? Simple material stuff. Give us today our daily bread. Yes, it's all of those. Can it be an ecstatic experience at times? Absolutely. Oh, wait a minute. Don't get Pentecostal on me. I, I, I agree. <laughs> See, the problem with that movement is that, one of the problems, is that they were after the experience all the time. And I'll tell you what, if, you have not, if you've had that experience with God, something washes over you that is absolute perfect peace and joy, almost ecstatic, 
Believe me, it doesn't last all day. And if you want it back, you can't make it come back. I, I had I had one of these. Not, I don't. I haven't had a lot of them. Believe me, I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not that kind of person who's after that. <laughs> you know. Uh, anyway, but uh, so I'm, I was riding my bike, and I went down. By, and all of a sudden, thinking about God, it's a wonderful time to contemplate God when you're out there on the road by yourself. Ever road bike? I go riding, and uh, I had this. Oh, it's unmistakable. And I can remember exactly where I was, too. And it was ecstatic. It was this joy. It was like, it's like almost like I was seeing God clearer than I ever have. And it washed over me this feeling of joy and peace. And this, this was no something silly or psychological. It was very real. It was, con- it was an understanding of God. And I thought to myself, you know, that should be us all the time. Maybe it is in heaven. <clears throat> but a half mile later, it was gone. Which for me is like an hour later, you know. <laughs> so I've been by that very spot a few more times since then. I went by it yesterday on my bike. Same place. Nope. I was like, here it comes, God. Here it comes. You got your shot to show off. Nope. You can't grab it like that. It comes. And God gives you a taste. Gives you a glimpse. And yeah, it reminds me of Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up there. You know, He took them up there right after He said this generation will not pass away until they see the Son in His glory. And then he t- late, just after that, he t- in the Gospels just after that, he takes them to the Mount of Transfiguration. They see the transfigured Lord, Moses and Elijah with him, in their glory, in their resurrection body. Peter says his 120th stupid thing. Should I build three tabernacles for you guys? Yeah, Peter, that's just what we want. As we're in our glorified resurrection bodies, we want a little hut that you make. Uh, sure. Uh, no. And then, um, then what happens directly after? Go down the mountain. Back to reality. And he told them, don't tell anybody what you saw until after I come into my glory. Can we stay here? No. You get a glimpse, and then you get back to work. So prayer defies definition It is so many things, just as a relationship with another person is one thing made up of so many things. But relationships become stale. Why do they become stale? Well, there's many reasons, but the reason of our sinfulness, our fallenness, we tend to crawl into ourselves. Crawl into our own little soul hut. We objectify others. We think, well, we know their role. We know what they're supposed to do and supposed to say. They become almost like mannequins in our lives or robots. We're not really looking. That's objectification. We cease to see every moment as a potential for the expression of God through us and through them. We fail to see it. 
And we go through life almost like a ghost. We become so expectant of what another is to do and to say, and so expectant of our daily routine, that we just go through it. We don't really live it. We're just walking through. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.14, Awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The same is true with God in prayer. Prayer can become very stale. Just going through the routine. Uh, I would again say, do it anyway. You say, this feels stale and routine-like, so what, I'm not going to pray? No, keep at it. But no, and this is something asked of God. You're not performing for God. You're in communication with Him. And you can ask Him anything. Jesus said, ask the Father anything in my name. And say, why is this stale? Why don't I want to do this? Why do I avoid praying with you, talking with you? And he will reveal it. So prayer is simply communication with God. It's what it is. It's communication with God. But if you pass God, it's not like passing God in the supermarket and saying, hey, and then moving on. It's much more than that. Uh, prayer is a sinner hitting his knees, figuratively. If I fell and hit my knees, it'd be it'd be over. But yeah, hitting in our souls, hitting our knees. God, I need your mercy and I need your grace. There's wonderful, and so what we're going to see is what a great help with this because even after we do know God a bit and know what we should speak to him about and what kind of answers we should get, we still at times wonder what it is we should pray. You know, what exactly should I be praying for? Uh, God has given us two wonderful gifts here, both in the Word of God, the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is like a skeleton that you can hang every request on, every worship, every adoration, every thankfulness, every confession, it's all there. I have tested this out over and over. Every request that is legitimate, meaning from God's will, from His Word, fits in that prayer somewhere. Our Father, why is He our Father? Because of the death of Jesus Christ, our redemption. So we call Him Father. He's holy and in heaven. His kingdom is coming. His will will be done. So we have His kingdom, His will. And in those first three petitions are all about Him. And we should start that way. Every prayer, I'm con- now I'm, I'm much convinced of this. And it will only take, a li- take sometimes longer than others. But the holiness of God as your Father by gift of Jesus Christ's death. Have that clear in your heart before you start talking about whatever it is you need or want. I've I've always thought, you know, just jump right into what you want. You know, God knows anyway. But no, I think it's absolutely proper that Jesus put that prayer in the order that he did. Father, And he said, throughout the gospel, he said, pray to the Father. There's a couple instances where the prayer seems to go to him, and one instance where it looks like we could pray to the Holy Spirit. We'll deal with those later. But for the most part, it is by far, addressed to the Father when prayer is spoken of. And we're, 
speaking to one that is perfectly, supremely holy, and we're not. We have been made holy by His gift, so we can call Him Father. But in and of ourselves, no. This conversation that we're having is not on on an equal footing. We're not equals with Him. Much, much lower. And when that is straight in your mind, then when you get to praying for you about whatever it is, your mind's in the right place. And it will alter how you speak about yourself to Him and your needs. So prayer is so many things that if we enter into it as we should, we'll be exploring more and more of it our entire lives. So it is so many things that if we do enter into prayer as we should, we'll be exploring more and more about what prayer is throughout our lives. We'll never be able to say, yeah, I know I grasped the whole of my conversation with God who is infinite and almighty. No. And therefore, prayer will become more and more wonderful and special. You'll desire it. You'll desire the time for it as, as time goes on. It is absolutely shown, even amongst atheists, you know, atheists pray. There's, there's been studies done on this. They, they pray more than they're going to admit. Uh, but everybody prays more as they get older. Uh, but and, and certainly I would say as Christians, we will pray more as we get older. There's a key here to this, though, too. So as we move on, uh, realization of the glory of God and the effectiveness of ourselves as we converse with the Almighty from the platform that we're on as saved sinners, uh, <clears throat> we, we will realize that this is definitely not a conversation among equals. It is not. And this opens for us the true understanding. Because God is always looking for, in our heart, true understanding. It was the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit to us, is to show us Jesus Christ, to truly understand Him. What is Paul prays that you be strengthened with power in your inner man, that you may know what is the height, the length, the depth, breadth, of the love of God by which you will be filled with God. We are to come to a full knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our understanding of things. Not just academically knowing them, although we have to know that, but we have to understand. And so, uh, this understanding is what God is always looking for. And part of that is to understand who I am to, to be like arrogant with God in prayer. Doesn't sound quite ridiculous. And God gives us a wonderful Old Testament picture of this, of the high priest going into the Holy of Holies every year, or even the other priests who go into the holy place, which is, you know they did all year, to offer incense, or to set up the table of showbread, or to you know make sure that the, the light was still on in the, in the golden candlestick. All right. Could you go in there like all willy, you know, any way you wanted? Only particular people could go in there. There was once a king. I could never. I always want to remember the names of all Israel's kings. I think it would be quite impressive to others. 
That's the only reason I want to do it, really, which makes me not want to do it. So, <clears throat> but one of the kings went in there and said, I'm going to offer up incense. And all the priests came running in and said, get out, you're not allowed in here. And he became angry. And then leprosy broke out on his head. He became a leper. You don't come in here like that. Right? What does God reveal? What was the tabernacle? It's a place of holiness. They had to. You could be an unbeliever and be in there, by the way, because under the law it was ritual cleansing that got you in. Of course, God would know, but you know, for us, we're no longer under the ritual, no longer under the law. You can't come to God now unless you are truly holy. And Christ has made us that way. Every one of us. No matter what our performance is. And this we must remember. Our Father is in heaven and holy is His name, not mine. This makes you bow the knee in your soul. So, the searching believer spends a lifetime exploring God through His Word, and through literal conversation with God about His Word. It's pretty cool that you can talk to the author. Uh, what, <clears throat> some of her books are out there. She hasn't, been able, she hasn't written in a long time, but uh, Karen Hancock wrote, uh, it's, well, it's four books, so it's not a trilogy, but a, a series. It's wonderful. It's a, um, a fantasy Fiction, but based on the truth of Scripture, the truth of angelic conflict stuff, and it's wonderful. And uh, when she was writing them, uh, she, well, because I, I, I knew her, she would, I'd get a copy in the mail, you know, before it hit the bookshelf. And uh, a bunch of us did, not just me, <laughs> you know. But, uh, so I, I remember once I was reading, I don't know if it was the second or third one, and Somebody died, and his character dies in the book. And I emailed her immediately. And I was like, how dare you? How could you have done this? And it was, it was cool. Sorry, it was cool because, you know, I got to talk to the author, and she was like, oh, just keep reading. It'll be fine. You know, wouldn't God kind of say that to us? Just keep reading. Things are going to be fine. But I don't know, this doctrine seems upside down. It's, I don't understand it. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what you're doing with me. I don't, as we'll see in some of the Psalms, as David writes about God, where in the heck are you? Where have you gone? I long for you. Oh, he writes beautifully about it. As a deer longs for water, I long for you. Where are you? And God, you know, is He going to... Why is He doing all of this? And He's going to answer you. Give Him time. But enter into it. That's, that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Enter into it. There's a method to it. And I would say, before we get to method, the Lord's Prayer is your guide there. Stick to... You know, and I understand for a lot, of, I've had numerous people tell me that they didn't think the Lord's Prayer was for the church. And I've read this, of course, and I remember being taught it myself. And I think it's, I think that's wrong. In fact, I'm very convinced of it. 
But we'll see that. We'll see how Calvin writes about the Lord's Prayer and Luther writes about the Lord's Prayer. They're wonderful. Uh, and some others too. But therein lies what? In your <clears throat> Father, holy in heaven, His kingdom, His will. Get that all straight. And talk to Him about it. You will. You'll find yourself. You'll never pray it the same way twice. I mean, if you're just saying it like we did in Catholic Church and fingering beads, then not that I, I never had beads and I never fingered them. I was a bad little Catholic boy. I avoided church like the plague. <laughs> I remember I wanted something so bad from God. I was about 10 years old, and I told him, I said, God, I, I, I remember exactly where I was, and I was heartbroken. And I said, God, if you do this for me, I will go to church all the time. <laughs> and he did it. And I completely, I, I, didn't, I didn't fulfill my promise. And then he made me a pastor. <laughs> right? I didn't, go, I didn't go to church. But then he said, oh, I'm going to put you in a church six days a week. How's that? Five days a week, however long I'm here. <laughs> Because of our time in prayer, that yes has a method, but no isn't stale. So in fact, I'm not our Father out in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When we were doing, we do it. Oh man, you know, like the guy at the end of the radio ad, ad when he says all the, you know, all the fine print, <laughs> and he says it a thousand miles an hour. That's how we did. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. We did the as fast as you could. Get it over with. And isn't God so impressed? I mean, God, Jesus, did you hear how fast you just said that? Um, right? You're not, Jesus said, you're not going to be heard because of your many words. And we would add there your meaningless repetition. But there is a method. That's the theology of it. But there is also an experience. So get your mind right before Him. We should not be bold, arrogant, even self-centered in the Holy of Holies. This is where we are. Hebrews chapter 9 and 10. We live in the Holy of Holies now. And then explore. Speak to Him. Explore. Find out. Answers to your questions, yeah. You've got to, we've got tons to talk to Him about. Understanding certain doctrines, understanding you and Him. And as you do this over a lifetime, what you're exploring is holiness. That's what you're finding out. The purity that, of holiness that is in God. And this purity, this exacting righteousness of God is fearful. You're staring into it. Because of the, you know, and standing in that light. How, does you, how do you look? In that inner room, one-on-one, -on -one with the Holy One, how do you look? How's your bravado now? How's even your self-absorption? How's your problems look? Yeah, not much. And we would run. But then we're what? Well, as we get to us, in the, again, in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins, we're completely forgiven. We know this. Forgive others as you have forgiven us. 
We have no right to hold it over the head of anyone else. By the grace of God, as Paul writes so wonderfully in Ephesians 3, we approach with boldness, but we're not arrogant and proud. But we're confident. We're here because of Christ. I can call you Father because of Christ. So what are you finding out? This searching over a lifetime is you're finding the purity of God, but you're also discovering what grace is. Grace allows us to walk with God and of all of our mistakes in the past and our flaws, all the things that we've done wrong, they will be made right. I mean, they have been forgiving, but I'm talking about God changing us. Christianity is a waste of time if it doesn't change us. So the grace of God overcomes all. So do we read, you know, do we read about the fear of God in the Old Testament and no more fear of God in the New? No. Fear of the Lord is in both Testaments. So the fear doesn't go away, but the grace of God overcomes it. So this is the fear of God, a real and hearty awe, awe and respect of the Creator who made all is in your midst, in your inner room, as you speak to Him. You get to talk to Him directly. You get to hear from Him directly based on His Word. Every answer from God will be based on His Word. Now, prayer, therefore, of the many things that it is, is searching. It's discovering. God seems elusive at times. We'll see this when we get to the Psalms. I knew this would, I would probably not get there this morning, but... So the problem must be on our end, and our hearts and mind must sit in the room with him. Faith and clear thinking based on sound truth will guide you to experience the presence of God every day. And as you experience that presence, now I'm be cautious, I don't mean some kind of uh, charismatic mysticism in which you know, I feel I, the goosebumps on me tell me God is near. There's none of that in the Scripture. But there is a walk with God, a conversation with God. As John says in 1 John, as we spoke to Him and heard Him and touched Him and embraced Him and beheld Him, we want you. And this is after Jesus is dead for uh, 50 years. We want you, John said, to fellowship with Him as we do. We who have seen Him and touched Him. And so this why, again, prayer, if it's not a part of our lives, there's a great gap in our spiritual lives. It is so important, because this is conversation and, and, and experience with the one who has called you to be like his son. To be like his son, right? Does Jesus pray at all in the... In the Gospels. It's all, he's there praying all the time. He goes away for nights on end to speak to his father. He's always in conversation with his father. Now we're not perfect like him. That's not what I'm I'm getting at at all. But we're to shoot for it. So, you know, in this the ministry of God the Holy Spirit in revealing us Christ, revealing Christ to us, is this is a part of it. 
Paul said, pray continually in the Spirit. So it has to be a life, not just here, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm in conversation or communion with God five minutes here and then tomorrow it was five minutes more. We're talking about, and if you got that, okay. But know that it's got to be more. It has to be a life of hearing and learning and finding that is going to eventually make a person who is like Christ. Now, God doesn't wave his magic wand over you and make you like Christ. Not in experience, not in conduct, not in thinking. As we, as we all know, there's a ton of learning involved that takes years. How long have you guys been learning doctrine, some of you here in this room? Right? What if we put all your years together? We'd have centuries. Why are you still at it? Because you're slow. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember much. I've got to keep coming back, taking the same course over and over. Uh, no, it's because it's bottomless. Unfathomable in its depth. Now, no one can motivate us for it. We encourage one another. There's a gift of encouragement that is marvelous in the body of Christ. We encourage one another. We serve one another in order to help each other see the wonder that is Christ, which is going to lead you to Him. But, and I, I mean again in experience, not salvation. I mean, I'm talking about believers after salvation, searching, groping, increasing in the knowledge of God and His will. And we encourage one another to do that. We pray for one another. Because that, when it comes to the will of God for us from the Word of God, that is it. He doesn't promise us that we're going to be healthy, wealthy, and... Well, He does promise wisdom. No healthy, wealthy. If you have it, great. If you don't, you don't. It's not promised. Material blessings, worldly blessings are not promised. They're, what the promise is is that you'll have enough to survive. But what is promised is the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, the likeness to Christ, the, the, the works, every, the, all that is a part of this walk with, with uh, the Holy Spirit and we encourage one another to do that, but all we can do is help. When it comes to desire and pursuit, it has to come from us. It comes from within. And when it comes from within, it's independent of people and it's independent of circumstance. So, no matter what the day is like, I'm talking to my father. No matter who has said what to me and who has done what, I'm praying to my Father. I'm learning His words. That's self-motivation. And it has to be that. Uh, again, God isn't going to wave His magic wand here. We have to learn it and learn it for ourselves. We have to learn what prayer really is for ourselves by praying. But praying according to his word and with the guidance that we'll see in his word. So prayer is 
Last one. I know I'm, I'm, I'm here at time. So prayer is intelligent because it's based on God's revealed word. There's, there's, um, yeah, the, uh, the Anabaptists of old who became Quakers and uh, some Mennonites, that uh, they, they developed a doctrine that you could hear things that, from God, especially deep in prayer, that were not in his word. And this, what it does is it, it robs us of that. And who knows, whatever you're hearing, if someone believes that, you could be hearing your own conscience, you could be hearing demons, you could, you know, if it's not in the Word of God, we have no idea if it's based in truth or not. And so, prayer is intelligent. When the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, this is where the Lord's Prayer comes from, because they watched Jesus pray. In Luke 11, they saw him praying. And they likely noticed that these were not the usual prayers that an Israelite said, which were like the Shema in the morning, uh, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one God, you shall love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. They prayed that every morning. Uh, And there were other prayers that they ritually did. And they must have heard Jesus praying something different. Plus, no Israelite ever called God his father, not like Jesus did. So they asked him, teach us how to pray. And what did he tell them? Did he say, wait for a feeling? Did he say, words don't matter, just feel it? You know, it's just an emotion. It's an outer body experience. No. Teach us how to pray. He gave them exact words. And in in Luke's gospel, what he says is, say this. In Matthew's, he says, say like this. So we have Matthew says, well, you know, it doesn't have to be the exact words. But in Luke's account, he says, say it. Say it like this. So we have the balance there of both. We're not to be there just repeating the words. We're to understand what the words really mean and base our prayers on it. And you'll find that everything you pray fits into that prayer perfectly, actually. So prayer is intelligent based upon God's revealed word. So, as we start here, um, as, I say, as I said, just to wrap this up, the, we have the Lord's Prayer to help us. Because understanding what we do about God, we don't always know exactly what to pray. So, we have the Lord's Prayer to help us. And then, we have 150 Psalms. And there ain't nothing you could pray or even remotely think of that isn't found in those psalms. Somewhere. Almost all of them are prayers. And it actually is the prayer book of the Bible. And so we're going to see how we can pray the psalms. And it's really cool. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. So let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you for... Your word, thank you that you revealed to us you. And though, Father, we are so much lower than you and so much more that we need to understand, that you are gracious and patient, that you lead us to those still waters. You lead us to those lush meadows. You are our shepherd. So we do not want... Because we know that you will lead. We're not always paying attention. We're often going astray. 
But you're always there as our shepherd to grab us and take us home. Take us to you and lead us in the prosperity of your life. So, Father, we thank you for the the gift of prayer. We thank you for the gift of your word, for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, that gives each one of us, despite our backgrounds and our failures and our flaws, each one of us an open door to a life with you in relationship, in a very real, experiential, felt relationship, but also based on your word. And may we never forget that, Father. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen. So take our offering uh, this morning. No, those are, those are old. <laughs> I mean, you can, like when I'm famous and stuff, you can say like, hey, I have a, you know, no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Let's pray for our offering. Thank you, Father, for opportunity to give. And we give, Father, as your believer priests, in honor of you and worship of you. And may you guide us, Father, in the use of the finances that you provide for us to your glory, to the function of this church, to do your will. We ask in Christ's name, amen. Close in prayer. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be together for your our gathering, to bring us together in great joy and in an honor of worship of you. The closing moments of our service are dedicated to anyone who has not come to believe in Christ as their Savior. If you're listening to me and you have not believed in Christ as your Lord and Savior, I am telling you truthfully that He is the one and only Savior of the world. He has come to earth as God the Son became a man, and therefore he, for the purpose of taking all the sins of the world and judgment upon him. Your sins are judged on him as are mine. And therefore, you can be saved by faith. You can, this is a gift. You can reject it if you choose, or you can accept it. To believe in Christ as your Lord and Savior and have eternal life. I beg you to please consider. Ask God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we thank you, Father, for our time and thank you for all things. In Christ's name, amen.